Good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study, devotion time. Hope that you're doing well this week and uh, that you're staying out of harm's way with the pandemic and uh, some of our own folks have, are coming down with it now and we're praying for them and that they'll have a speedy recovery. But if you'll take your Bibles tonight, we're continuing in our study of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes. And we are talking tonight about uh, Matthew 5, 8, which is blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, now, this is a beatitude that calls us to uh, stop and think about every motive that we have in our mind and our will and our emotions. It's a very um, comprehensive concept and a very comprehensive uh, beatitude uh, that deals with being pure in heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 5, 8, and uh, this will be the, uh, the scripture passage for this evening. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Remember that our Beatitudes are New Testament style Proverbs. They are statements of how the kingdom of God is intended to work and how it works in heaven and how it will work on earth when Christ sets up his kingdom on earth. And in the meantime, the, we as believers are called to live as if we are citizens of the kingdom. And so these Beatitudes are very short uh, proverb type statements that uh, talks about the kinds of motives and attitudes and actions that we are to be practicing uh, as we uh, are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So let's begin again tonight. I want to do the review about what a bad beatitude is. They all start off with blessed is the person or blessed are those. And so I want to remind you again about what blessed means. The, uh, it's more than just happiness. Uh, many times you'll hear um, people say, well, you know, blessed means happy are those who do whatever. But it, it's more than happiness, although it does have happiness con uh, contained in it. But uh, it, it is not a, a, an emotion, a pleasant emotion uh, based on circumstances. And that's what actually happiness means. It's a, it's a pleasant emotion based on circumstances. But to be blessed means to have those pleasant emotions and confidence and peace and joy and those kinds of things. Those kinds of pleasant emotions that are not dependent upon chance and circumstance. And that there, there are conditions and there are things that we live by and live with. Uh, that, are, that are not affected by the things that can happen in our, our world that cause us to, to have difficulties. So, blessed is more than, more than a, a pleasant emotion of happiness and it's not dependent upon chance or circumstances. So tonight we're talking about the pure in heart and we're going to uh, unpack that uh, statement as to what that actually means. So the, the pure in heart, what, what does the word pure mean? Well, uh, we're going to concentrate on that one first. The word pure is, the, is the, in the Greek, it's the Greek word kathros. And uh, it simply means <clears throat> clean. Um, in my years when I was going to Bulgaria on, to do mission work uh, among Bulgarian Muslims, every year that we went, that, that we took new people and we were taking new people all the time on the projects. We went to Greece and we visited Biblical Philippi. 
uh, toured the ruins and, and saw the sites. It's a magnificent uh, ruin and it's uh, literally you're walking on the stones and the, and the pavement that the Apostle Paul walked on. Well there's a, uh, the New Testament describes or tells of a city that Paul sailed into when he left Troas in, the, in Acts chapter 16. He left Troas and he uh, went to the city, the port city of Neapolis. Now the port city of Neapolis, ancient Neapolis is today the Greek city of Kavala. But the port is still there, the Roman road that leads out of uh, Kavala across the coastal mountain range and down into the Philippian Valley to the city of Philippi, still there. People still walk on it, they hike on it and that kind of stuff. And so that road goes all the way to Philippi. So Paul landed in uh, Neapolis and he went to Philippi. Well off the coast, if you're, if you're in Kavala today, you can look off the coast into the Aegean Sea and there's a huge island out in the Aegean Sea that is visible from the coast of Greece and from, and from the, the coast of, or from the, from the city of Neapolis. And that island is named Kathros, uh, which means pure. Now, that's an interesting place because uh, in Christian history, all of this began to, to develop during uh, the, the Roman Empire and, and, and then throughout Christian history since. <clears throat> the island of Kathros, which means, keep, keep in mind, Kathros means pure, is actually an island state today. It's an independent island state today that is run by the Eastern Orthodox Church and it is inhabited by monks. Uh, and uh, some of the interesting things about Kathros is, is that no women are on the island and no women are allowed to go on the island. And so if you want to take a boat ride over to Kathros and, and visit the place and, and you're a guy, you've got to go to the Greek um, offices there in, in, in uh, Kavala and get a permit. Get a, you're basically getting a visa to visit the island of Kathros. And so you can take a boat ride over there, girls can't go, uh, and you can take a boat ride over there and you can visit the monks. And the whole the reason the island is called Kathros is because these monks have isolated themselves from the world and they, they, they are very uh, um, holy and pure and, they, and, they, you know, and, and the whole idea is that they have a monk society there that is clean, all right? And, and that is free or as free as possible from sin and corruption and temptation and those kinds of things. <clears throat> now, you don't have to be there very long to realize that these guys are pretty weird. Uh, you know, you're not, they, they, are a, they are a strange bunch. Uh, isolated like that and completely cut off from the outside world. Uh, but they, they name the island Kathros. And Kathros means clean. Now, in Scripture, throughout Scripture, uh, the word kathros, or clean, is used uh, as a metaphor. <clears throat> now, uh, what's a metaphor? A metaphor is uh, a literary device that uses one thing to describe another. Uh, you've heard the saying, uh, it's raining cats and dogs. Well, it's not literally raining cats and dogs, okay, but, but the, you're using cats and dogs to describe a very heavy downpour of rain. All right, that's a good example of a metaphor. So throughout the scriptures and throughout all of language, really, we use metaphors to to enhance the meaning and enhance 
that you, what we're trying to explain and describe something, and, and we use something to describe something different that's that, that's different. Okay, so in in scripture, uh, pure is used to describe many things. Uh, in in uh, Psalm one through uh, one four, for instance, uh, pure is described as it's what's left over when the when chaff of grain is uh, winnowed. They they in the olden days they, the grain floors they would put the grain onto screens and shake it and then throw it up in the air. The grain would being heavier would fall back into the baskets or the other winnowing um, trays, and the chaff that the coating around the grain would would come off and get blown away by the wind. And so, uh, so here you have uh, chaff being described as what's, what's thrown away and what's left is the pure grain. Um, if you don't take the chaff off the grain, then the taste of the grain becomes bitter. The, the chaff it has, it has a bitter taste to it. So pure grain is without chaff. And then in uh, uh, Revelation 15.6, actually Revelation uses pure a lot. And uh, they talk about uh, pure linen, that, that, the, that the believers, the, the people who have gone to heaven, are clothed in pure linen. So what they're describing there is cloth that is unstained with dirt, grime, and sin. So pure linen, Revelation 15.6 uh, talks about the, the inhabitants of heaven are clothed in pure white linen. So cloth that is not stained with sin. Uh, Scripture in Revelation also it talks about pure water and pure gold, uh, and so these are water that is is not contaminated uh, with impurities, gold that is not contaminated, mixed with other stuff, lead and, and alloys and impurities, and so all of these things are are are, are metaphors that describe the absence of sin itself and the absence of the effects of sin on the individual. The only way that gold can be gotten, the impurities in, a, in gold can be gotten rid of is to forge it in the fire. And you fire it up and the, the gold melts out into a container. The pure gold melts out into the container and what's left, the sand and the lead and the pyrite and the other, other impurities are left and you can separate it. You can separate the impurities from the pure gold. Um, pure water, is, we, take for, we take pure water for granted in America, but in, in the rest of the world, pure water is hard to come by in places. And so they have to be sure that they are trying to filter out the bugs and the mud and the sticks and all the other you know, crummy stuff that's in water to, to make water that is safe to drink. Uh, one of the things that we uh, another mission team when we were when I was in uh, at First Baptist Church in Lake Jackson we had other mission teams that were going to Africa doing water wells and they had uh, in, in the process of digging those wells they had to supply their own water and so we had a, a, an engineer employed by Dow Chemical who made a portable water purification system this device was a was a uh, container that had activated charcoal and filters and things in it and people could go down to the muddy bug infested dirt infested uh, rivers 
he could get a bucket of water and fill up this container and uh, it would begin to filter down through gravity and what came out was pure, clean, drinkable water. And that's how the teams were able to have water at the sites in these villages where they were drilling the water wells. And when the wells were completed for the first time in the, in, in the life of these villagers, they had water coming out of the ground that was clean to drink. So pure means clean, and it's used as a metaphor throughout the scripture. Uh, and, and it talks about the, the, the absence of the effects of sin, uh, stains and those kinds of things, and the absence of the contamination uh, of, of, the, uh, of the impurities that sin causes in the lives of individuals. So pure means clean, and it means to be, to be free of the effects of sin. The, uh, so we have a blessed are the pure in heart. Heart is, our, is, is a very uh, common metaphor that we use uh, that talks about our inner being, our inner motives, our inner self, the, the, the part of us that, that is uh, our, our um, spirit and the, the things that God inhabits when, he, when we accept Christ as our Savior. So, we have blessed are the pure in heart. And then the Beatitude says, for they shall see God. So now what does that mean? We want to take a look at the meaning of that they shall see God. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind, so that we may know and we may, and we may see uh, what God has freely given us. So the first meaning of seeing God is the ability to recognize God's work here on earth. We can see when God is at work positively and we can see when God is at work negatively. There's <clears throat> been a lot of talk about the, the pandemic and, and, and what that is and where it's coming from and is it a judgment of God on our world because of sin and all these kinds of things. The reason those questions are being asked are, they're not being asked by by non-Christians. They're you know non-Christians are simply seeing this as a natural act that's causing a lot of trouble and causing a lot of fear and causing a lot of of concern and and disruption of our society. But there are many Christians who are pausing and sitting back and saying, "Is this pandemic a judgment of God? Are we witnessing God in operation in judgment of sin on this world?" And they go to scriptures which talk about God's judgment coming in, in pestilence or, or, or disease. So uh, when we are pure in heart, we're going to be able to recognize uh, when God is at work on this world. Henry Blackaby in Experiencing God talks about that God pursues a relationship with us and he asks us and he invites us to join him in the work that he is doing and he calls us to 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 look for what God is doing and go join him in what he's doing. The ability to look for what God is doing and see what God is doing so that we can join him is the is the result of a heart that is pure from the effects of sin and the and the contamination of sin. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to see God at work. And so to be able to see God one of the one of the applications of that is that we can recognize uh, the or we we have the ability to recognize God at work in this world, and that we had then have a the ability and the choice of whether to join Him in what He's doing. Um, when we witness, when we 
minister, when we go out of our way to meet a need in, in, in the name of Christ, when we, when we respond to people's questions of, you know, why are you doing this or why are you doing that? Those are all the effects of our ability to see God at work and joining Him there. Uh, the, the ability to, to uh, recognize what, what God is doing and participate with Him in the doing of it. The second reason, or the second meaning for that they shall see God is it's the assurance that we will see God and recognize God face to face in heaven after this life is over. Paul, again in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, uh, 16, says, Now we look through a glass darkly. We see in part. We know in part. But when, when we're with Christ in heaven, we will see him face to face. We will know fully. And so the, the, the promise and the assurance of seeing God face to face without the effects of the clouds and the confusion that is caused by sin in this world, without the effects of sin in our own life. We are to be, we are to be working to have a pure heart and to get rid and put, putting off self and dying to self and crucifying the flesh and all those kinds of things. But we still live in a fallen world. And so the promise of God is, is that we're going to see him face to face and we're going to know him and recognize him without any of the effects or the boundaries or the, or the blockages that are caused by sin. So blessed are those who can see God at work. They, they recognize when God is at work. They have the, the opportunity then to choose to join him in his work and participate with God and what he is doing because they, they, they clearly recognize what's going on. I remember in the, in the Bulgarian mission, one of the things that we kept saying was is that when we, we saw God doing things over there uh, and opening doors and people being saved that we could have never orchestrated and planned in uh, our, the planning phases of getting ready to go over there. We were always amazed at what God did uh, by us just showing up. And then we were able to um, participate in that. We would tell uh, teams when, in the training of the teams that we would go over with we had to train them how to do this because Americans, being the practical, self-assured, confident people that we are, we always have to have a plan. And, and if, if the plan goes awry, we don't know what to do. And so, I, so we would actually train our people to say, you know, we're, we're going to have a plan when we go over there. We're, we're, we're going to plan to do this, 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 and this. Uh, but um, we want you to be flexible. And in fact, I stopped saying flexible. I said, no. Flexible is not a good enough term. I want you to be fluid because it, we may be over there and something may pop up and something, an opportunity may, may present itself that we can compl do completely different what we're training you to do. And so you be prepared for that because virtually every trip that, that we went on, that happened at some point during the trip where we had to completely just set aside what we had planned to do and begin to respond to what God had done right there in front of us that we could see and that we could that we could participate in, that creates that created some uncertainty in some of our members who weren't used to that. But once they understood what was going on, they really really enjoyed it to be able to recognize what God's doing. So to see God means to recognize what He's doing on this on on this earth, 
and being able to uh, join him in doing it and the assurance that uh, we see what we do see, we see partially and we see maybe through a, through a dark glass or clouded uh, because of sin still exists, but the assurance that we're going to see him face to face and we will know him fully, we will recognize him fully, and we will see him fully. So, the meaning of the sixth beatitude could read, Oh, the bliss of those whose mind, will, and emotions are clean, who have cast off sin, which hinder their service to God, and refuse to mix the values of the world with God's values. For they will be able to recognize God's work here on earth and see him face to face in heaven. Hope you take some time to get your prayer list out and pray with your family. This is our Wednesday night prayer time also. And we will uh, be seeing you again this coming Sunday and again next Wednesday. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.